Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Mind Loop Podcast. I'm Steve Seifer, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Levin, and Thomas Anderson, the entire team. So how's everybody doing this week? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. Be nice if my fantasy team could, you know, suck a little bit less, but we can't get everything we want, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just very yeah, glad to see DJ Moore become a number th- oh, the third wide receiver on his own team. You know, real cool. I'm sure all of that is sucky, but I didn't mm-hmm. understand any of it. Someone, someone got it. Mm-hmm. Ringo okay. got it. Ringo knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Ringo Starr. Good old Ringo. Definitely should come on the podcast. 100%. Ringo, you're welcome anytime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll I'll email him. We're you know we're buddies. No, he's too busy signing fan mail. He's got no time. That's true. All right. Well, promote extend trade. You thought that you're having like a your your fantasy team is having a bad day. Well, in 1519, this guy had a really bad day. <laughs> uh, Montezuma. He welcomed Hernando Cortez into yeah. Uh, Montezuma did have a bad day. You no. Know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite. Uh, Buddy comedy. Montezuma's bad day. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> he welcomed Hernando Cortez into Tenetaclan, and it was great fanfare. And obviously that would turn out to be a pretty bad idea. Yes. Um, so what other 
blunders in history here. We'll rank them because that was definitely a blunder. I tried to pick a variety of bad ideas here because obviously there have been a lot of bad things. So first up, we have the Mars Climate Orbiter, and it burned up in Mars's atmosphere. And the entire $300 million mission was aborted because Lockheed Martin was using the metric system and NASA was using American units of measurement. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> That's so bad. Uh, in 1962, DECA, the record label, they auditioned two up-and-coming bands and they signed Brian Poole and the Tremolos and they did not sign the Beatles. Ooh. Ooh. And finally, in 1978, in exchange for a $20,000 pay cut, 20th Century Fox signed over all of the merchandising, merchandising rights for the Star Wars franchise to George Lucas. Jeez. Oof. Those are all three pretty big blunders. Uh, all right, so how are we, are we ranking them? Like, are we ranking them in terms of badness, right? Are we, like, extending the wor- the blunder that was the worst? Yeah, however you want to have whatever one you think is the worst, be it such a a bad uh, loss of money or just a bad idea, period, or just like, come on, guys, what are you doing? Uh, uh, All right, then I'm 100 percent extending the NASA one because, like, (laughs) first of all, United States, fix your shit. Among said shit, get on the metric system, please, like the rest of the civilized world. As a scientist, I beg you. And second, no one thought to check this. These <laughs> yeah, numbers, they're work? like, they yeah. should have been immediately obvious that that number doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, that yeah, one we have two different numbers. Out. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm sure nothing bad will happen. See, I think I'm going to trade passing up on the Beatles solely because Ringo Starr is, oh, there it is. <laughs> a friend of the show. Uh-huh. That's true. <laughs> That's a beef. Uh-huh. These are all bad. The Star Wars one, I don't know that anyone could have foreseen Star Wars becoming what it is. Um, like, I, I can understand why you would say, yeah, we'll take the money on hand rather than gambling that this no-name director pitching a ridiculous idea with technology that doesn't exist yet. Uh, Didn't yeah. George Lucas famously not believe in Star Wars? Didn't he <laughs> bet like a lot of the gross to Steven Spielberg? Uh, they have to. Tra- they, oh, that might have been that might have been um, the movies he made before. Yeah, I know. I don't think, I don't think have... it was Star Wars. I think it was uh, Cocoon, maybe. <laughs> they had an agreement about something about their profits of their first three movies each, uh, and who would make more. I don't remember exactly. Uh, but yeah, Star Wars was a ridiculous idea. The fact that it that it's become what like the, the phenomena it is is like a one in a million chance. I would say passing on the Beatles is also like if you don't if if you don't see that the Beatles are obviously going to become big, then you probably shouldn't be in that the music industry. Yes. Like <laughs> like even if like you have differing opinions on the Beatles because. That everyone has different opinions on them. It's just like you could see the uh, the objective. Like, oh yeah, I could see how they could become big. I wonder what Brian Poole and the Tremolos are doing right now. <laughs> Makes you wonder. Mm. 
Uh, not whatever the two extant members of the Beatles are doing. That is true. Pete Best. See, but at least those two, circling back to the to the space one again, right? Like, at least the Star Wars and Beatles ones were like, you had to guess about the direction yeah. you trends mm-hmm. to go. The space one is literally, check your fucking math! Yeah, like, that should have been gone over many, many times and addressed. Uh. Oh, that one's just dumbfounding. <laughs> and to think what we could have discovered. Yeah. Maybe we might have found water on Mars sooner. Mm-hmm. There is water on Mars, though. We know that for sure now. You know, hey, Elon Musk might be a creepy internet weirdo, but at least he's dumping his money into into going to Mars, so... Definitely worse things to dump your money in, I guess. Yeah, plenty of worse rich people than Elon Musk, let's put it that way. I can't. I, I still can't believe no one checked. Like, <laughs> like, I, like. I just want to be in the room for like when they realized, like, oh, you were using the. I metric like to system? think. Like what? <laughs> I like to think somebody was like, yeah, these numbers they they might not add up. Do you want me to look at it? And and the guy was just like, no. Here's the thing I don't get. Why are they using imperial units in the first place? Like when you do science in college. You do the classes are taught in metric, not imperial. No. So why the fuck were they using imperial units, or whatever you call U.S. units? I don't know, fucking know. Because this is America. Yep, America. Eagle on it, and ah, uh, 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 right, <laughs> like just painted on the side. So so irritating. Well, I would hope that they uh, make sure that they look over all of their calculations where they. Very, very big magnifying glass now after that. All right, so let's head over now to the CPBL and KBO and NPB. So first up are the Unilions. And last week, the Taiwan series started, their equivalent of the World Series. And the Unilions took game one. But games two, three, and four went to the brothers. In the first game, basically, the Lions got shut down completely. And then in game four is a little bit more competitive, but it still went their brother's way. So with their backs against the wall, down 3-1, the Lions gave the ball to Brock Dagshorn for game five. The king. Yeah, and he he did throw a quality start in game one, and he was even better this time. He threw a complete game shot after the Lions. So you really can't do better than that. At Mets, you know what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> then for game six, they gave the ball to Tim Melville. Um, he was pretty shaky when he pitched in game two, but again, he was a lot better this time around, and he gave up one unearned run over seven innings, so not bad. The thing is, though, even if he did pitch poorly, the Lions still probably would have won since they scored 12 runs on the night, so that would have been, uh, you know, that, that would have worked out either way. Yeah. So they forced a game seven, and Teddy Stankiewicz pitched for the Lions, and Ariel Miranda pitched for the Brothers. Both pitchers were good when they pitched uh, in Game 3. Stankiewicz gave up one run over seven innings, and Miranda gave up one run over nine. So the Lions in Game 7, they scored a run in the first inning, the second inning, the third inning. They basically were nickel and diming Miranda, but the brothers put up a four spot in the fourth inning, and they took the lead. And they held on to it until the seventh inning, when the Lions put up a four spot of their own, and Chi Chia Chen 
put uh, the exclamation point of the night with a two-run homer, and they held on. Uh, the the Lions put Brock Steichshorn in to close the game out, and the Unipresident Lions are the 2020 CPBL champions, their 10th championship uh, in franchise history. And there was much rejoicing. Yeah, like we picked a random, well, not really random, but an adopted team is like good. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For sure. Mm-hmm. And the CPPL, of course, you know, the season is now over, but they're the first major professional league to start back up in early May. Over the course of the year, they progressively had um, more and more fans come in. By the end of the season, they had a few hundred thousand, uh, you know, with the entire league. Obviously, it's down as compared to last season, but it's still a million times better than anywhere else. And basically shows you that as long as everyone takes the proper precautions and the league takes things seriously and the players take things seriously, you can have fans in the stands. So I hope Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, everybody follows the format that CPBL used. And in 2021, if we're lucky, we get some fans in the stands. Steve, are you insinuating that Major League Baseball didn't do a good job of managing the coronavirus? Uh, it is a possibility. Oh, interesting. CC or at Rob Manfred. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, like, bubbles are not supposed to have, you know, leaky entrances or exits. Like, it's supposed to be sealed. And when your bubbles are very porous, it's not good. My favorite bubbles are the ones that have a complete opening. Yes, right. those are the right. best bubbles. Yes. <laughs> that it's just the perfect bubble. Mm-hmm. Next up, the LG Twins. So they took on the Kiwoom Heroes in a best of three wildcard series. And since the Twins ended the season in fourth place and the Heroes ended in fifth place, they started the series with a one-game advantage because the KBO really makes standings matter, which I really like. So even though it was a three-game series, the Twins started technically with one win, and they just needed to win one game to advance, whereas the Heroes needed to. So in the wild card game, it went to extra innings. It took 13 innings, but the Twins won, so they advanced to the best of three quarterfinals against their rivals, the Doosan Bears. So in game one, our old friend Chris Flixen, he was um, really, really good, which is sucky for the Twins. He threw six scoreless innings, and he struck out 11 batters. So, obviously, the Bears went on to win uh, game one. And Flexen has really been good over the last couple of weeks for the Bears. In the month of October, in 31 and two-thirds innings, he has an 85, excuse me, a .85 ERA with 42 strikeouts. How many How many innings was that, you said? Uh, 31 and two-thirds. Jeez. And then basically all in all for the entire year, he has a 301 ERA in 116 and two-thirds innings with 97 hits allowed, 30 walks, and 132 strikeouts. So good for him, obviously. Yeah, he's good. yeah. I don't know where he's going to pitch next year, but at you know at the minimum, he's earned himself an invite to spring training somewhere if he chooses to you know, come back to the MLB. Oh, yeah, I could see a team uh... – Pouncing on him with how many people have been with how, yeah. with how many people have been coming back. Was he an Alderson draftee, or is he around when Alderson got here? Uh, he was an Alderson draftee, I believe, twenty eleven. 
2012. Yeah, that makes you think. Hmm. I wouldn't hate it. I I mean, I'd love it. I I'd Chris like Flaxen, welcome home, bud. <laughs> 2012, so yeah, definitely. We sent him out on loan. And, uh, a sandy drafty. Um, well, he was really flexing his muscles over there, so. He God was. Damn it. <laughs> Again, with this, these fucking jokes, dude. Um, <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, I, I think I've railed against the Mets being stubborn in terms of not exploring these other avenues of adding talent, either through Asia or Cuban markets in the past, and who knows if that was. How much of that is the Will Ponds? How much of that is Sandy's preference? Hopefully it was mostly the Will Ponds, but I mean, this is a guy that Sandy's front office drafted, so maybe there's a connection there, and hell yeah, I'll roll the dice on Flexen. Absolutely. He's not going to really be any worse than any other, you know, kind of minor free agent signing, so. We've, we've seen so many, like we, we've talked about how many, um, starters that they need anyway. Yeah. Like he could be (laughs) the the sixth or seventh guy in, and then you could just. Throw a dart on it. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's not, it's not like this is totally out of nowhere either, right? Like we've had, we've seen stretches from Flexen in the minor where he, minors where he was excellent and where he's shown really impressive stuff, like a fast, a really nice fastball curve combo. So it's, it, it, it's, it's not like a huge stretch to imagine that he got healthier, got a little bit more fit, tweaked something or some combination of any of that and, and, became really good like i i don't or at least viable as a major league starter mm-hmm. it's not like we sent um someone give me a name help me walker lockett over there oh. and he's blowing <laughs> away like hey right, then then it's like all right well it's what he's striking out 12 guys for nine but it's still walker lockett it's like no chris flexner had good stuff i could buy this so back to the twins um game two it was a slugfest and the Twins were able to crack Raul Alcantara, who was the Bears' ace. But the Bears also touched up the Twins' pitchers even more. And the Twins lost game two, so that knocked them out of the playoffs. So the Bears, dreaded rivals, they're going to go face the KT Wiz in the semifinals. And then whoever wins that is going to go on to face the uh, NC Dinos in the Korea Series. So definitely rooting for the Dinos, just because how could you not root for a team named the Dinos? Uh, now, now I have an important paleontolo- pale- paleontological, <laughs> whatever, paleontology-related question. Okay. What kind of dinosaur do they have as a mascot? Oh, T-Rex. Oh, it's a T-Rex. Okay. Yeah, that's acceptable. I mean, it's you're not gonna. Would you? Would you have a, a baseball team and then use like a freaking Diplodocus? No. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> it's like, yeah, go Archaeopteryx. This is. <laughs> No, no one likes hockey out there. This is, I can't even say it. Yeah, yeah. Lucas, I, mean, I just sent a picture of him in Slack. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> That's not a T-Rex. What is this thing? This is an abomination of nature is what this is. Well, those are the best T-Rexes then. It, it has a long neck. That's like a, a brontosaurus. Well, brontosaurus isn't an actual dinosaur, right? Wasn't that something that was... No, it discovered? is. This it is, is a fight I've had with many people, yes. They, okay. Originally, originally, um, it was like a misclassified fossil, and it was right. really an apatosaurus fossil. Right. But 
and and it was misclassified. But years and years and years later, I think like in the 80s or 90s, like an actual very closely, more closely related uh, fossil was found, and it was basically deemed the brontosaurus. Okay. I was thinking of the wrong logo because, yeah, that is clearly not a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Well, then it seems like they have multiple mascots with different dinos. All right, that I actually like more. Like, you, you trot out a whole lineup of dinosaurs. That's pretty cool. I like that he has the big cesspitus pendant. That really, <laughs> <laughs> that really makes it. Welcome to Dinosaur Avenue Audio. <laughs> We're still working on our adaptation of the Shortstop Avenue Audio jingle. We'll get back to you next week. Amazing Avenue's number one dinosaur podcast. Yep. Hell yeah. Uh, finally, last and definitely least are the Swallows. They went two and four this week. They we have lose... to. Yeah, well, kind of. <laughs> they didn't lose any ground in the standings. They're still 24 and a half games behind the Giants, so that's good. Uh, 40, 68, and 10 on the year. Basically, it's been the case for the last month, two months, whatever, maybe entire season. I feel like it was good for like maybe the first 30 weeks or so. But obviously a bad week for the Swallows. But Muneteka Murakami did something. Last week, that hasn't happened in the MPB in 41 years. Uh, he hit four home runs in a game. No. Hit for the cycle. No. That seems uh. way too long for a cycle. <laughs> yeah, that would. As I was saying it, I was like, oh, that's a stupid answer. Is it a, is, it a single, is it a single game thing? Or? It is a single game thing, yes. All right, what are the other weird single game things that could happen? Uh, steal all the bases. Yes. What? Yeah, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he's a power hitting corner infielder, but he stole three bases in one inning. Yeah. He he singled, then he stole second, then he stole third, and then he stole home when the pitcher tried to pick off the trailing runner at second. Excellent. And then in typical Swallows fashion, they blew that game. They had a six run lead and they lost. So they are truly the Asian approximation of the Mets for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A loss like that is a really tough one to swallow, but, you know. Come on. I'm going to fucking hang up. <laughs> <laughs> Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. So the Sydney Blue Sox um, did not announce who the final player that's going to be going over there to Australia is, but that's okay because the Mets themselves announced a bunch of signings. So we have some guys to talk about. Oh, yeah. A uh, bunch of those players, uh, you know, 
look, excuse me, they're all uh, minor league deals, 11 guys in total. Two of them, Louis Carpio and Harold Gonzalez, they're homegrown guys that became free agents and the team resigned them. Four of them are guys that were signed last season, but they didn't actually play because the season got canceled. David Rodriguez, Janushri Fargus, Jake Hager, and Bruce Maxwell. And then the remaining five guys are all newcomers. There's infielder Mitchell Tolman, right-handed pitcher Oscar De La Cruz, and then three former major leaguers, Aradis Vizcaino, Malik Smith, and Jose Peraza. Uh, Tolman, kind of boring, but he's a guy that Lucas probably is going to like. He's a big <laughs> OBP guy. His OBP is 100 points. Yeah. <laughs> his OBP is 100 points above his batting average for a career, and he doesn't strike out a lot, so... That has Lucas written all over it. Yep, yep, I, I'm in. You <laughs> son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> um, Oscar De La Cruz, he's kind of interesting. He was one of the better players that got released a couple of months ago when all the major league teams were releasing all their minor leaguers in mass because it wasn't going to be a season. He's a former Cubs prospect. He was ranked in their top 10 as recently as 2018, but he got tapped for steroids that year, so that cost him uh, a lot of time. Uh, but this stuff did seem solid after it came back in 2019. Low 90s fastball. Mm-hmm. He's a real prospect, I think. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Like, Low 90s probably fastball. make the Mets list. Yeah. I'm not really sure if he qualifies. But I'm just like, saying, like, in terms of, like, talented players in the minor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, he would be on the upper echelon. Yep. Um... So good fastball, an above-average curve, developing changeup that kind of flashes average to above average. Um, the Cubs made him a reliever about halfway through the 2019 season. He was actually a little bit better than he was as a starter, so maybe he's kind of learned and developed a reliever's repertoire since then. But, you know, uh, definitely a guy that's going to find himself on the other players of note list. Maybe... Maybe he'll find himself on the 2021 top prospect list. Who knows? Mm. We have yet to really give much thought to that, but it'll definitely be interesting (laughs) this year, given everything that's happened. And, I mean, it'd be real nice to find a relief arm as a free minor league signing. Yeah, I mean, they kind of had the same thing. Maybe not necessarily as high upside and not a starter, but they kind of did the same thing last year with Steven Gonzalez. And... Didn't exactly work out for them because Mets. Yeah. But um, then those other three players, Vizcaino, Smith, and Peraza, I think they were pretty good pickups. Vizcaino um, is picking up, coming off of some pretty major shoulder surgery. He missed all of, well, not all of, he missed the majority of the 2019 season and then all of this past 2020 season. But when he's been healthy, he's been good. So that's a pretty good pickup, I think. For and sure. You know, as we've gone over the last couple of weeks, the Mets have been, they, they've done a pretty solid job identifying relievers who might bounce back in the past. So he might be another guy we could add to that list. Um, Malik Smith, that his bat was really, really, really bad the last two years. But yeah. bef- before that, the year before that, you know, uh, 2017, 2018, it was slightly above average. So maybe he bounces back, maybe he doesn't. But regardless, you know, there's probably a really, really small chance that he has, like, any kind of major role on the team next year. And if he does, it means that he got good. So 
Yeah. Or things went disastrously wrong for the Mets. Yeah. But uh, even not if, that he's sorry, go ahead, Thomas. I was gonna say you could just he's the type of guy you could stick on your bench as like a speed yeah. defense guy too. That's, mm-hmm. that, that's exactly what I was gonna say. With like the with the extra roster spot, like center excellent center field defender who steals forty bases a year. Like that's a that's a a, a player on your bench that kinda got pushed out as bullpens expanded, but with that extra bench spot now I think it makes a lot of sense. He's not that different from Vargas. Fargus, I was going to say that yeah. like he's kind of like a better, uh, higher ceiling offensive version of Billy Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. I say he is also the kind of guy that the last couple of years the Mets have been trading for the yeah. Keon yeah, Rosnicks exactly. and the Mersnicks and the. Billy I'm Hamilton. glad to see that uh, the Wilpon the Wilpon team could could get one more in. Uh-huh. <laughs> At least they didn't trade um, Matthew Allen for him. God. Yeah, like. <laughs> Matthew Allen, that's such a you can't trust anybody with two first names. So, yeah, <laughs> get rid of him. No. Also, Malik Smith's only twenty seven, which is wild to me. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like he's been around forever. Yeah. Same thing with Jose Peraza. He's still pretty young. Yeah. He hasn't sure. been hasn't been good lately, but he has had success not too long ago, so he's a bounce back candidate. But like these are the type of dudes I want to fill AAA with. Yep. Yes. Like mid twenties bounce back candidates, guys, because yep. like. Mm-hmm. Sounding like the the thirty two year old ones, it's they're probably not going to. But at least you could see the possibility of these guys, one of these guys, have, being a quality major league player again mm-hmm. because they're young enough to do that. And mm-hmm. like, it's not like the Mets or the Dodgers here where they have a ton of prospects that you do could fill AAA with. Like, they just don't. All their prospects are young. No. I mean, <laughs> they literally year, don't. Yeah, they just I mean, don't. They they can't like. Triple yeah. A is going to have to be vets. And I mean, even, you, even when you do have prospects, though, every year at Triple A, right. you should pull up your roster and be like, all right, X, Y, and Z prospects are going to be here. We're going to fill every other pro- position with reclamation guys. There's exactly. no reason not to. Just just give give yourself all those lottery tickets. Like some years, they, all of them are going to bust out, and you're not going to get any, but some years you get one of them. And I'm not saying it's a Justin Turner situation, but even if you get a solid player, that's a that's a huge W for your roster. I mean, I, I'm uh, ballparking the percentages, but like you do this a hundred times, ninety times you get nothing. Mm-hmm. Five or six times you get someone who, or let's say five times you get someone who comes up and gives you some useful time as a bench bat. Uh, two or three times you get someone who actually fixes themselves and becomes a useful player. And then every once in a while you get a Max Muncy where it's just, oh, we have, we found a star because we For developed sure. this guy better, right? And it, there's no reason not to do it. For sure. Literally only costs a monthly contract, which is very, very minimal. Especially when you already own the AAA team, right? They mm-hmm. own, they, I assume the, the Syracuse Mets were part of the purchase, so. Yeah, I think yeah. the Cyclones are owned by like the actual Wilpon. Enterprises or whatever it is, like Sterling. Yeah. I've, I've seen very, I've seen different reports. Some of them say that okay, the the Cyclones are owned now by Cohen and the Mets, but that goes against what the Wilpons themselves have on their you know Sterling Equities website that shows what they actually own, mm-hmm. and it always showed the Cyclones as being a separate entity from the Mets. So I don't know if the whole thing was included. I mean. On one hand, it would make sense they're just give giving up all of their baseball operations and ownership. But on the other hand, if it's not explicitly stated, then why would they be giving up? You know, they're not giving up SNY, 
So, yeah. But I mean, I guess it'll be. We'll see. Yeah. This is all a very long, long uh, way of saying this is a really nice slate of minor league signings. I was very pleasantly surprised because <laughs> yeah. it's normally like Aaron Harang, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't care. But like, at least three of these dudes, I'm going to keep an eye on now. Mm-hmm. And before we move on to uh, meat and potatoes, the show this week, there's a little bit more minor league news uh, got to address. We haven't really mentioned too much on the show, but obviously the Mets Instructional League has been going on the last couple of weeks. It started at the beginning of October, and they just shut it down about two weeks early because, according to Tim Healy from Newsday, two players at camp tested positive for coronavirus. So it sucks that everyone's going to miss those last two weeks or so, but they got it in the bulk of the camp, so it's not like anyone is really going to suffer from not getting enough reps in. Uh, most of the news and quotes and everything that comes out from these things is pretty generic catch-all stuff, but uh, Joshua Wolf, Shervian Newton, Pete Crow Armstrong, and Isaiah Green have all been mentioned as kind of standing out and really taking some steps forward, so definitely good to hear. I had not seen the uh, shows how, how lax my preparation for the pod is. Um <laughs> Had not seen that Newton had had no, noticed Newton was getting positive comments, and that one is yeah, yeah, the most exciting one to me because the upside on him and and Jalen Palmer, who's a very similar kind of profile, is is just stupid high. Yeah, you 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 love to see stuff like that. Basically, with Newton, it was starting to get to the point where it's like, yeah, you've you've been tantalizing us with your potential for a while now. Now it's time to put up a shut up, and he kind of didn't last year. And it was pretty concerning. Um, so it's good to see that he's doing better in camp. I mean, how things will translate on the field, who knows, but yeah, better than, like we've said many times, you would rather hear good news than bad news or no news. I mean, the, the, I, you just like drool over what uh, uh, Newton is if he puts it together. Like, it's just... Uh, Javi Baez-ish. Yeah, that's that's a solid comp in terms of skill set. Which is like his 99.99% oh, yeah, percentile <laughs> outcome. I'm not in any way making that comp, but that's what you can dream on. Yep. That's like the best case scenario here. Mm-hmm. And if even if you get some of that, it's great. Mm-hmm. All right, so... Also smart on the Mets mm-hmm. for closing it, by the way. We didn't mention that, but yeah, and they then they shuttered it completely. I think because they were like, I think I remember reading that they didn't think they would have enough time. Like it wasn't worth it to bring everyone back in two weeks and like do the last few days. So yeah, I mean, if you're going to be quarantining for yeah. 14 days, then smart on the mess to do that. Yep. Instead of they're, just kind of like powering through, they're doing another instructional uh, camp in the Dominican Republic, and obviously it's primarily for all those international uh, kids, but maybe it'll be interesting to see maybe if they bring anybody over to that to give them more reps. Unlikely, but you you know, in this weird 2020 season, you kind of have to get at-bats and innings wherever you can, so. Yeah, it must be so difficult to try to like because we're on the outside looking in, and I think about how difficult it is going to be for us to figure out who's doing what in the Mets organization. Like, mm-hmm. to actually have your jobs depend on it, 
and you're trying to figure this out during a pandemic, I don't know how you would do it. Like, I would, I, I would be trying to some people. All right, so right after it became uh, official, Steve Cohen had been approved, and then he was the new owner of the New York Mets. He basically cleaned house. Uh, general manager Brody Van Wagenen was let go. Special assistant to the GM Omar Naya was let go. Assistant GM of player development Alan Bard was let go. Assistant GM of systematic development Adam Gutridge let go. He was the and, one with the with the 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 system, right? Like the yes. weird, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The the I always make the joke that it was like the same thing as Pakoda. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, executive director of player development Jared Banner. So Sandy, in a statement, said, "I want to thank Brody, Allard, Adam, Jared for their contributions over the last two years, and I especially want to thank Omar for his long and distinguished service to the Mets in many important capacities." So you guys surprised by any of these moves? No. Not at all. <laughs> Would you have preferred any of these guys stay put or? No. Goodbye. Yeah, not really. Um, I will I'm say... a little surprised about Omar. Yeah, it sucks that Omar's gone, but I'm fine with it. Yeah, uh, I, was, I would actually have been interested to see. Um, I don't think we ever really got any insight who into who was behind their uh Draft strategy the last couple of years. Tremuda and Tannis. And they're who are, saying. Who are both yeah. saying. Oh, okay. Then, then I'm happy. Just, just the, the whole scheme of throw all the money up top, I really like that. So I hope that's something they continue to at least explore doing. They also um, ran drafts under Sandy, so. Yeah, yeah. those are Sandy guys, so. Mm. Okay, well. I, yeah, I knew those guys were the, the, the guys who were usually running the scouting. I just wasn't sure who was the... Who came up with the idea to just kind of go all out up top? Um, I mean, well, that might have been like Brody or, or somebody else, but yeah. it could have been. And, and at the end of the day, I think that it has been proven an effective strategy. So, well, when the know, right players you know, are on the board, yeah, I think right it's when when quite well. when there are people worth it, and then it's an effective strategy. So, I mean, sure. that, maybe that's they'll the continue. Only that's the only like positive systematic change I've seen in the Mets with Brody at the helm. So I hope that's something they continue, but otherwise I don't care about any of these people. Yeah. You could easily replace all of them and they, they're obviously going to, but you could easily upgrade on pretty much every one of those dudes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about building an analytics department? That's more than uh Chris Christie's uh, son-in-law was it or kid, <laughs> whatever nephew, something like that. He's related to him somehow, but yeah. Step one, <laughs> hire hire some real analysis, guys. So, uh, obviously, the position of general manager needs to be filled now. And there's like a million people out there that have the qualifications to be a GM, but the stars don't necessarily always align. Like a guy like David Stearns, he's a Mets fan, he's a Harvard grad, he interned with the Mets in the late 2000s, and he came really close to getting a job in the organization. So, he checks all the boxes on paper. But currently, he's the Brewers general manager and president of baseball operations. So it's kind of a lateral move or downgraded. Um, and it doesn't make sense that he want to give that up to come over to an uncertain situation with the Mets right now when he's, you know, had some success with the Brewers. So there's a bunch of people out there. Um, quickly, we're just kind of going through different articles and guys that are available and 
women that are available and just kind of have like a, a short list of people that it would make sense and they have good qualifications. Top of my list, obviously, is Thomas. Yes. I think you could do a good job. Thomas, Look, are you available? Yes. <laughs> All right, then. I will simply sign good players. And not sign bad, bad players? players. Yeah, not sign bad players. Also, okay. trade bad players away and acquire good players for them. I'm it's taking simple. notes. I'm re- very quickly writing all of this down. <laughs> I, right. I I know it's revolutionary uh-huh. to to trade your bad players for your good ones, uh-huh. but I think that it's an effective strategy, and I will impl- employ it if I. Are you get presenting it. a saber seminar this year? <laughs> <laughs> I took one public speaking class, so uh-huh. while I was a college while I was in college, and um, it went quite well. I got an A. Nice. And, so here we are. I was an English major and a history minor, so uh-huh, uh-huh. so Very I could cool. hire someone else to do the analytics. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just update my LinkedIn real quick. Um. So first guy here that we got is Matt Arnold, who is the Brewers Senior Vice President and Assistant GM to the aforementioned David Stearns. Um, he's worked with Tampa for about a decade, and then when Stern became GM, he brought Arnold to lay some of the uh, analytical groundwork that the Tampa Bay Rays have. And he was a finalist to be uh, Pirates GM a couple of years ago. So he seems like a guy that's thought highly of. He has all the qualifications needed and just kind of needs to be given a chance. I wouldn't be averse to it because basically I don't know nothing about the guy so yeah I think that's that's uh I mean I want I I I, I like Sandy as a, a person and as an executive I would like them I think he's also very old school so I would like to see someone hired who's more in touch with the newer generation of analytics and Arnold would would seemingly fit that bill mm. And like from the two, I I think the, the 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 two names I remember are Heck and um, what was the other name that I remember reading? It was Heck and let me figure this out. And Owens and Billy Owens, mm-hmm. which is so like those two names are names that would fulfill that in kind of focusing on the younger side of things and the newer side of things. So um, well, if if you are looking for someone that's on the younger side and and is all about analytics, then this next guy in alphabetical order here would check all the boxes. And it's a gentleman by the name of Paul De Podesta, who is the uh, chief <laughs> Bring strategy back officer. Depot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, he was with the Mets for the first half of Sandy's tenure before he went over to uh, the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> and he went from a bad situation with the Mets to a worse situation in Cleveland because. They are a really, really bad team. And yeah, but I think he and he and um, what's his name? So, was it Sashi Brown? Yes. I th- I think they did an excellent job of building up that team, and then freaking Dorsey came in and did stupid things with it. But you know, and 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 Depot stayed like he survived yeah. all of it. Which, yeah, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. They're doing a little better this year. They're still weird. not great. I mean, they they just hung on to. They they really screwed themselves with their coaching choices, and then that led to uh, compound effects, and now Baker's kind of broken. Anyway, 
I think Depot is 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 did a good job, even though people would argue with that. I imagine. But Sandy is back in control now. The Wilpons are gone. If that was ever an issue, and you know, if he's interested in coming back to baseball, there is a chair open for him. Yes, please do. <laughs> uh, next guy that Thomas just mentioned, Bobby Heck. He's the special assistant to the general manager for the Tampa Bay Rays. He's been with them for about a decade, and before that, he was a scout with Houston. And he's got a background in scouting and player development. And then, obviously, he's got his finger in all the um, analytical stuff that the Rays are known for. Again, don't know too much about him, but I like the background. Obviously, you can – how could you not like the name? So, <laughs> good back page fodder. I mean, it's it's amazing how little we know about any of these guys until yeah, they start yeah. pumping their credentials to the media during the hiring process. Yep. It really is, yeah. Uh, next guy up is Dan Kantrovitz, who is the vice president of scouting for the uh, Chicago Cubs. <laughs> what the hell did it autocorrect to? Can't oh, robots? Uh, Con- Can't yeah, robots. Con- Kantian yeah. robots, yes. Um, so he's been with the Cardinals and the A's in a couple of different scouting and analytical roles before getting hired by the Cubs. Again, solid background. Can't say anything bad about him because I don't really know much, but it's it's uh, a fine background. Uh, it is. It is. Oh. I mean, I don't know that I'd say the Cubs have done a particularly great job of scouting over the last couple of years on the oh. pitching side, at least. Yeah. Well, he's well, also I mean, with... even on the hitting side. Like their their farm is sure. kind of. It's also not like, like Chris Bryant wasn't like a hard scout. No. Yeah, no. he's also they didn't reinvent the wheel saying Chris Bryant's good. <laughs> 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 he was also in Houston when they scouted and signed like Correa and Springer and guys like that. So he does have some. Okay. I mean, it, it's hard to say one person. You know, you don't know one person is responsible for whatever, but he was right. around in that that uh organization when they had you know the early two, the 2010s when they signed a lot of those dudes mm-hmm. so you could deserve some credit for Correa getting Correa over Buxton right and and Springer was a late first round pick right like late, later in the first I might be wrong on that um again I need to you're like you said it's hard to attribute credit to any one person mm-hmm. uh next up is Kim Ng She's senior vice president for baseball operations for Major League Baseball. You, how could you not love the credentials? She's a baseball fan from Flushing. I mean, that's <laughs> doesn't get better. But she's had a variety of front office roles for a bunch of different organizations over like three decades or so. She's interviewed a bunch of times for different teams, never been given a shot. I don't know if there's a specific reason for that or if it's just because, you know, she's an outsider in the old boys club and they don't in, Fringing on any of their kind of... That's probably the reason. Yeah. I, I, so I, I'm not going to wave away that reason. I'm sure there's a role there. But I've also heard a couple times that, that she like she might just be more interested in the... Like, like she's got a pretty high up position in the commissioner's office, right? That's not like... It's not that it's... Yeah, she's basically... Like, Joe Torrey is, is the president or whatever. She's the vice president. Right. So. So it's not it's not like she's a low rank like she's arguably higher up than most GMs. That's and I could imagine there's 
she's not super eager to leave that position for just any opportunity. Now, if she's a Met fan and we just got a brand new GM with lots of money, that uh, perhaps that's enticing. Mm-hmm. That'll be an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, I'd be all for it. Me she's too. obviously extremely qualified. Yep. Um, next up is Billy Owens. He's the assistant GM and director of player personnel for the Oakland Athletics. He's been with the A's for about 20 years as a scout, as a hitting coach, uh, director of player personnel, assistant GM. His background's in scouting and player development. Um, you know, fine, very fine resume. And really anybody that's come from Oakland, you know that they're top notch because obviously a lot of good has come out of Oakland, baseball development wise. One thing that I've noticed going through these names is that I really look at the teams that they worked for and be like, oh, can they bring the type of like, I don't want to say corner cutting, but the type of like necessary things that they've had to do to compete as a Rays and an A's organization and then bring it to a team that also has a ton of money. Mm-hmm. So like that's the thing. That, like with with Sandy, the goal was never like I mean, from a fan's perspective, for people that were sabermetrically inclined, the goal was never that we wanted to see Sandy take the payroll and trim it down to you know a crazy low level. It's that the payroll would stay where it was when he came in, and it would just be used more effectively. So right, instead of having three of those gambles, and even with yeah. smart smart play teams the only one of those work out you sign a sure thing and then you get two other gambles and you're better Mm -hmm. at the gambles so and like and like sandy like never really spent money in his career because of the places he was at but like i'm pretty sure if cohen is like you have up to the tax he's gonna he's not gonna be like i'll spend one 115 (laughs) (laughs) like like he's like i'll just i'll just keep the rest of it you know like i'm pretty sure if you gave sandy alderson the opportunity to go sign one of the best guys in the in free agency, he'll be like, sure, let's go. I, I think I think Sandy would probably not that I'm I'm gonna sound like an arrogant ass here. Uh, like I'm sure Sandy would would have some of the same trepidations around a guy like George Springer that I would, right? Like he, I don't think Sandy's the kind of guy who's gonna give a 32 year old center fielder a big contract. I do think he'd go pay like a bunch of mid range pitching or or get and get a mid range center fielder and do a bunch of stuff if he has more money. So and I might and I think that's arguably just as valuable. So yeah, I, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up is JP Richardi, special advisor to the president of baseball operations for the San Francisco Giants. Obviously, he was brought in when Sandy first came in, and then he left when Brody took over. So he has a relationship with Sandy. So that um, mixed record in the. 10 years or so that he was the GM of the Toronto Blue Jays. But again, Sandy specifically brought him over when he first became GM. So obviously he knows more about the ins and outs and all that kind of stuff than we do. And he's given him high praise. So I think that's, that's the candidate we've listed so far that I am the least, I would want the least. Well, if that's the case, I'm about to blow your mind then. <laughs> <laughs> Final candidate is John Jeff Wilpon. Oh no! No, no! <laughs> is that Jeff's music? <laughs> John Rico, the senior vice president and senior strategy officer with the New York Mets. He's been interim GM twice. First time when Omar was fired in 2010, and then 
in 2018 when Sandy went on his medical leave. And he's still in the organization, so I guess Sandy likes something about him because he could have fired him if he wanted to. By by all accounts, he's he's like a good executive. Yeah, like at, at what he does. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what he's gonna do. He's just gonna. And the thing that I think is amazing is it's possible he advances now that the will ponds are gone. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do wonder. I wonder if they would, since since they're getting into this the game a little late here in this off season. I wonder if they'd like do something temporary, go through this off season with just kind of Sandy guiding the ship, and then look for someone long term later i don't know that's kind of what when sandy first got announced as like like way back weeks ago now when the sale was like almost done and sandy first got leaked as like the guy that he's gonna bring along and stuff that's what i thought the plan was like yeah like when i first read that sandy's coming back i was like oh sandy's gonna be the gm for a year yeah and then that's that's what i was thinking and like even so like sandy's on the older side i don't think he's gonna be president for long long so i wonder if they also hire someone with the idea that they be that they take sandy's job in a few years mm-hmm. like like kind of like swing on an upside guy who could be here for like 10 years as like a president thing mm-hmm. yep that makes like, sense to me that's the other side of it too like a guy like heck or owens is because the, the, those are the two names i've seen the most but like someone like that is interesting because you could see them take over for sandy before yep. like too long, and then another GM comes in in a few years. So this might just be a short-term thing, like you said, yeah. I can see that for multiple ways. I hadn't given the thought that Jeff Lilpon auditions himself to be GM. Mm. Oh, didn't you hear? He uh, wasn't fired. He quit. Ah, well, he resigned. Course. He resigned, right, right. <laughs> he probably that. got, did he get the most <laughs> votes in history? Oh. <laughs> probably. Oh, no. Oh boy. Oh. So who 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 your two or three however many guys you know you want to take here put in order but who who are the guys that you like the most? Uh of the names we listed I'd have Arnold Eng and uh I don't know that I have a third one. Mm-hmm. Billy Billy Owens to me strikes me as a bit of an old like I know he's he's a younger player but he's definitely someone from the scouting side and I I feel like that's more old school baseball. I don't see like the analytics background I'd hope to see in a GM here. Um, that, that said, I don't know anything about his qualifications, but Arnold yeah. and Ang are, are it, top for me. It's hard. It's, it's difficult to sit here and like pontificate about this because right. like you I don't could know so much. Yeah. Like, like I could be like, I could get mad when the Mets sign a player or be happy when the Mets sign a player because I could go and if I want to watch them or I could look at their, their fan graphs or their baseball reference pages or whatever, or do both. But this, I'm, I can't really go to the tape or go to baseball reference to like figure out if I like this executive. Like it's going to be one of those things where we're going to have to kind of take it and be like, I really just want someone who has a. I really just want competence. Yeah, I just yeah. want someone who I could look at their resume and be like, oh, that makes sense. And for most of the people that you mentioned outside of like Ricardi and Rico and stuff, like I would be cool with. Like I'd be like, all right, I see why the Mets wanted that person. Because we can only judge them when they're here as GM, you know? Like, right. Yeah, it's like we were saying with the money and being a GM and a team that has a small budget, they might be radically different executives at a team where they have a much larger budget. So you just don't know until they're in that situation. That, that, I think that's why Arnold is the most interesting to me, though, because Ray's, Brewer's, uh, 
not a lot of cash. Matched <laughs> with Steve Cohen, potentially lots of cash. It's kind of like the Andrew Friedman model. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And look how that turned. It, it's not like Friedman's running around on the Dodgers like, no, we don't want to spend money. He just gave Mookie Betts big well, that, he's that's Basically, <laughs> yeah, he, he's leveraging everything that he used to do without money. And also money. <laughs> right. He's like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go sign, trade for and sign Mookie Betts. And then I'm also gonna unearth Max Muncie out of nowhere. You exactly. know, just because I can. And, and they've also built the best developmental system in baseball. I think, I would think that's fair to say at this point. Yeah. I think what, they're, I think they're the flagship franchise in yeah. baseball right now. I mean, that's what lets you trade for Mookie Betts one offseason and then turn around and be, probably be the favorites to trade for Francisco Lindor the next offseason. Yeah, if they wanted to, they could easily outpace. Like, like there was the, I think it was Passan tweeted today, I can't remember, or maybe Morosi, one of those two. But they were basically like the Indians are going to wait for the Mets to um, do stuff. They wanted Jimenez and McNeil, which I don't think I'd actually do. I think you could negotiate them down from that. But also, like, the Dodgers could roll up and just offer whatever and, like, not even hurt their future at all, not even hurt, like, their prospect list at all, really, like, and get Francisco Lindor, and the Mets would have to, like, go for broke and trade everyone and just have the worst farm system in the league. And that, might, and that still might not top it. It's just one of those things where the Dodgers are such a machine right now. Well, it all comes back to competent executives making the right decisions. All right. Anybody have uh, any last words for the week? Uh, I got nothing. Guess not. no, Usually no. I've got something ridiculous, but I've got nothing today. All right. Well, I appreciate that the owner is extremely online. Yeah, that's true. He's uh, <laughs> breaking he? news. He just dunked all over one of the bar stool people. He did. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna follow him. If he doesn't follow me, I'm not going to follow him. Wow. <laughs> At Steve Cohen, follow Steve's. Steve's unite. That's true, right? As Steve's, we need to take care of each other. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. So uh, if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complexofqueens at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at SadMetSeason, SDN. Subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. Rate and review it. And, of course, thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. Until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets. <laughs>